0: He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with eternal loss He took my sin, washed it away When I was immersed in that watery grave I heard that gospel call because He paid it all Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Been There, Read That podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Batty. And back again with us this week, we have my brother, Aaron Batty, who's a young, aspiring evangelist right now. And we want to talk to him this week about his reading goals. And I want to start off by asking the question. I don't even, I don't know the answer to this, this is why I'm asking. Did you like reading growing up? Did you do much reading? I know we were brothers, um, when we grew up in the same house, but In,
1: I in school, I, I like reading history. Okay. The history books that mom would buy. If we were homeschooled. If anybody didn't know. Um, outside of that, dad had me read a couple of books uh, that most, you know, most people fourteen, fifteen would not be reading, especially on their own. Right. And once I got into them, they were all right, but I wasn't a particular fan. Now,
0: okay. I, there's a seven age, a seven year age gap between us, and so. When I left home, you were about 13, so your teenage years, I wasn't there to see your reading practices. I know I hated reading and didn't read very much outside of books that I was kind of forced to read by mom and dad, and I didn't know how you were, if, if reading is something that you had to learn to enjoy, because I know you do quite a bit of reading, um, but I, I think back, back growing up, dad was an avid reader. He's always been a very avid reader. He he reads as much or more than anybody that I know, even to this day, and that's something it that took me a while to get into, and, and appreciate what Dad always had a really nice library, but I did not take advantage of that very much at all growing up. And that's
1: something that, if I had to do over again, I'd change. But
0: no use crying over spilt milk at this point. So
1: I think uh, personally, when I was in nursing school, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I'm reading stuff by coercion that I don't want to, and mm-hmm. that's when I started realizing, you know, I want to read some other stuff. So that's probably 2021. 20, When I really got into reading books on my own. Okay. So first question, starting off, what are
0: some of your reading goals that you have? Whether it's on a yearly basis, current uh, basis, tell us,
1: talk about your reading goals. Well, like I uh, have mentioned before on here, um, I'm in the middle of transition as far as career, so you know, I'm working a lot at the hospital. Um, That gives me limited time to read right now. So you know, here soon I'll be be able to read more. I always try to read my Bible once from beginning to end, all the way through. I think every Christian, and I don't care if you work two full-time jobs, you can do it if you want to, and you can do anything, and you will do anything that you really want to. People prove that every day. Um, beyond that, I want to try to increase that. I think um, as a preacher, I should be able to read my Bible through a couple of times a year, and so that's a future goal. But um, outside of that, just reading a religious book, at least one a month, as I am right now, would be um, reasonable. Yeah, it might even be underselling myself a little bit
0: one of the things i remember dad telling some young guys one time in his today he said wherever you go have a book with you so like if you're getting your oil changed and you're sitting there for 30 minutes you've got a book with you and you can sit down and read that's something that's really helped me get through some material over time and especially now with like having your ipad and having books in kindle format you can take a host of books with you wherever you go uh, if you're a pack, if you get to be a passenger on a road trip, there's some opportunity to read. That's typically not the opportunity that I have. But just having a desire and always making books available, I think, is a real big key to accomplishing some of those goals. Um, number two, uh, what's share with us five books other than the Bible that have had a, the largest impact on your knowledge of the Bible.
1: I think the one that just sticks out in my mind and I'll mention it to most everybody that's asking me about a book to read, especially if they're a novice reader, is the book I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Norman Geisler and Frank Turek. They co-authored that. At the time, uh, I thought Geisler wrote all of that, but I found out Turek wrote quite a bit of it. Um, I was 18, I think. I was still at home. I was in high school. I might have just been about to graduate. Dad gave me that book. And I don't think he had read it all the way through, but, of course, I wasn't a big reader, and I told him... After finishing, I said, man, Dad, this is the best book I've ever read, <laughs> which which isn't saying a whole lot, right? Right. So at uh, that time, I just remember it being a major impact on me as far as dealing with um, philosophical issues about um, God being moral and the accusations get thrown at him, creation versus evolution. And one that's really stuck in my mind throughout the years is the uh, manuscript evidence behind the Bible, and that book really... Establish that in my head.
0: That's one of the books that whenever people ask me about uh, arguments regarding the validity of the Bible or the morality of God or the ace, a lot of common atheistic type of arguments, always plumbed towards that book. There's a there's a workbook that goes along with that. Have you ever?
1: Yeah, I'm with not really impressed with most any workbook to be honest, but yeah. that one's just in the same bag. Okay, so so. I haven't dealt with the workbook at all I bought some by
0: accident uh, thinking I was actually getting copies of the book but anyway, I had never used them but the book, very good, High recommend or a couple others
1: um, just throughout the years one other kind of hallmark book that kind of separated itself from the pack was Brother Doug Edwards' book, Drawing from the Wells of Salvation it's a more or less a study of major passages that um, broadcast the coming of the Messianic Kingdom and he at the beginning explains some just general terms and whatnot that are helpful in understanding what is the kingdom of God. I gave that to a friend recently who wasn't baptized much long um, before I gave it to her. And I said, don't read this book right now, but I'm giving it to you. She read it anyways. And she told me later, she's like, I wish I hadn't read that. (laughs) Uh, So I wouldn't introduce that to, again, a novice reader. But if you've been in the church for two or three years, pick it up, get yourself a copy. Doug Edwards is an excellent Bible student. Uh, you know, scholars. He's not going to have a PhD behind his name, but when you read that book, he's a scholar.
0: Yes, he is. Very underappreciated book, I feel like in our brotherhood.
1: Um, two
0: of the concepts in that book that stand out in my mind are one, the uh, the language of the prophets and how they would talk about distant, far off events in terminology that people could understand at the moment, and kind of give them a hope of what's coming down the line, a, a basic understanding, a foreshadowing, if you will. And then the other concept he discusses quite a bit is the concept of the nature of the kingdom of heaven being the reign of God. A lot of times when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, what we mean by that is the church. But really a better explanation, that term is the reign of God. And that's helpful, especially when you get to passages about uh, Matthew 13 and the parabolic discourse about the kingdom of heaven is like this or that. If you insert... The word church into those fields, it becomes difficult and a problematic understanding of the passage. But when you understand the reign of God is the concept in mind, really, really helpful. He's, uh, he was one of the first that ever introduced that concept to me. And what he does, I felt like in those books, is give you some basic tools to start unlocking the prophets in particular, understanding their relevancy and then your need to study them, and kind of whetting your appetite, if you will, uh, for down the road. Another concept that I remember him talking about was how two prophes- a prophecy can have two parts that seem like they are going to be fulfilled simultaneously, but there can be gaps of time in between. And that's that's a really important concept. Um, you have a short list of what you call must-read books to
1: recommend to our listeners. Must reads a hard list because you know it depends on who you're talking to, where they're at, and they're reading. Yep. So these are going to be introductory reads. I'd say okay. if you haven't read much, um, especially on these issues, these are what I would call must reads. First of all, Introduction to Biblical Studies by James Smith. Yep. Um, it's a pretty dry book. I mean, you're not going to get a whole bunch of illustrations and hardly any pictures. <laughs> <laughs> right. I like picture books growing <laughs> up, but. At the same time, the chapters are short for the most part, and he introduces you to the concept of biblical periods. You can conceptualize the Bible, especially the Old Testament, from a biblical period standpoint, and that really... uh, The the English Bible is not organized chronologically, Mm -hmm. and that really is... The way it's categorized is according to genre, and that's helpful in one respect, but it really confuses people who haven't read it when they're expecting a chronological reading. So the biblical period um, view is helpful. And then he just goes from everything... Starting with uh, how to interpret the Bible to um, prophecy and getting into that kind of stuff.
0: One well, thing about Smith's books, he's, he's very organized. He's very logical in his thought process. He's easy to understand and read, I feel like. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'd say he's about a 4 in terms of difficulty. Yeah, I'd say that's true. And it's very teachable material. Uh, he's What he's doing is he's taking a lot of the material he taught at the university level for 40 years and he's putting it in book format. And so they're kind of automatically designed for a lectureship type of study. And so what's really helpful about that is for a congregational teacher, this is excellent material for you to one, learn, and then number two, teach. And it gives you a kind of a demonstration of how to go about teaching it. I don't ever recommend people just take a book and print it, photocopy it, and preach it word for word but you need to take it take the material, make it your own, and teach it in a similar type of fashion. It's very methodical and how it goes through. And you could do you could take like that introduction to biblical studies and do a fifteen or a twenty part teaching series systematically on Sunday evenings or Wednesday evenings. If you're having difficulty coming up with topics or things to talk about, there's a ton of material right there that would be very beneficial for your own studies because one, you learn something better when you have to teach it over, and then two, it would be very beneficial for the people that are listening to build that big picture view of the Bible, the continuity of scriptures we were talking about in the last episode uh, regarding Brother Ron. Just with a couple others. Another,
1: this is kind of an intermediate read, I would say. This is a book that Dad gave me. I remember, again, I was in high school. I think he said, I'll give this to you if you'll read it. I said, okay. It was a nice book. Called Origins of the Bible by Philip Comfort. He's actually the editor. There's several different a different guy writes each chapter, <laughs> but it sat on my shelf for about six years. And I finally, in my own apartment, had graduated from college. I sit down. I said, well, I'm going to read this 300-page book to, by tomorrow. And I don't. I might just do nothing but read all day. And I did it. And that I have gone back to that book over and over and over. And there's few books that I actually take with me anywhere I go because I only have so much space. My mm-hmm. you by the travel but that's one that is just invaluable to me because it really helps open up at least um, areas of learning and go to resources for textual issues mm-hmm. um, you get into passages and if you don't understand the translation process um, how versions of the bible are translated that's going to be very difficult for you to mm-hmm. reconcile those
0: yeah For people that haven't studied, it can often be confusing the concept of inspiration and Bible translation Mm -hmm. and how we got the English Bible that we have. Should we be going back to the original Greek and Hebrew all the time, or can we have some trust in the the translations that we have? What's the pros and cons of translations? There's a difference between saying the manuscripts, the original, uh, what's the term that they use? The original
1: versions are the... I think the proper term for the original manuscripts. The
0: original versions are we're claiming that the original versions were free of error. We're not saying that English translations are free of error. Right. But we can have comfort in understanding the process of Bible translation, all the checks and balances that are out there also with use of several different versions that we have the word of God before us.
1: The truth there if you if you want to look for it. Yeah. Oh, give us one more. Um, As far as books that stood out over the years, one that you recommended to me, uh, The Unfolding Mystery by, I think, Edmund Clowney. He's of a Reformed background, uh, but what he does in his book is he opens up kind of, I I think we talked about this already, um, the development of the scheme of redemption and basically teaches you in that book, when you read a passage, especially in the Old Testament, stop, look at the passage and say, does this build some expectation of Christ? whether as far as needing a savior, um, the idea of God saving his people, um, go down the list. There's bones in it, Brother Ron Quarter says. Mm-hmm. Um, books are chicken and bones. Eat the chicken and pick out the bones. And so there's some Calvinism in it. Uh, not a ton, and just a couple of sentences here and there. But, so I just tell people to read it with caution, but it's yep. a good book. Yeah, about, I've said this on the program before, Every book that you read is
0: going to have a little bit of, of bone in it. Some more than other. Uh, the only book you're ever going to fully agree with is the Bible. Hopefully, hopefully you agree with what the Bible's teaching. <laughs> if you don't, you got some issue. But and maybe maybe a book that you wrote. But speaking of Uncle Doug, I remember I was talking to him one time on the phone. I said, what you been reading, Uncle Doug? He says, well, I've been reading my book that I wrote, Drawing Water from the Wells of Salvation. I said, oh, yeah. He says, yeah, it's been about 10 years since I read this. And he said, I was kind of curious. He said, I, I forgot some of what I wrote. And he said, I'm happy to say I still agree with most of what I wrote. <laughs> he said, you know, it's kind of dawning when you put something down in on paper and put it in a book format. It's kind of permanent, and it's out there. And you may... Uh, now would have rewarded some things a little bit different, having grown, hopefully, in your studies and knowledge. But I, I just thought that was kind of comical whenever he he said that, and I I can definitely understand where he's coming from and appreciate that.
1: Dad said one time I asked him a Bible question. He said, "Hold on, I gotta go look up what I believe on that." Yeah. And I've since at the time I was thinking, "Come on, Dad," but now I've done that already a handful of times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's one thing to do a really in-depth study on a passage and feel like you got your mind wrapped away from it. And then another thing to answer questions about that same passage five or ten years down the road when it's not so fresh on your mind. Uh, What are you currently reading?
1: Um, One book that George Batty actually recommended to me, um, the name of it is The Man Who Gave God an English Voice by David Teams. It's actually a biography on William Tyndale who is an interesting character um, from the just renaissance period there, coming out of the medieval age, who, if some of our listeners don't know, he was responsible for translating the English Bible for the first time. So kind of on the context of our translation topic there. Mm-hmm. Um, just his life and what he went through to provide you with reading the Bible in English. And uh, now you look at it, and everybody's got an English Bible, and nobody reads it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you knew what William Tyndale went through and how his life ended at martyrdom, you'd have a much more appreciation to read it if you truly believe it's the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And he certainly did. Tyndale translated the New Testament, correct? Uh, Yes, the New Testament. I think... Then he and Miles um, Coverdale... Yeah, he was working on the Old Testament, but he was killed by the Catholic Church before he could finish it. uh, As I understand, Miles Coverdale
0: kind of went back and finished up the Old Testament portion. Yes. Through the years, people have... uh, Really criticized Tyndale's work because it's one man doing Bible translation. They said it was kind of poorly done or it was very crude in some areas. But um, in Leland Ryken's book, *The Word of God in English*, I'm pretty sure that's the book he was referencing. And he was talking about the high percentage of Tyndale's work that was carried over into the King James Version. It was like ninety is in the ninetieth percentile, and it was showing that. Tyndale's work was extremely well done. He was quite a scholar and had been very meticulous in his work. And he was doing by himself what it takes a, a panel of over 60 translators to do later whenever you get the King James Version coming along.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Very fascinating read.
1: It's, um, a, it's kind of a, my relaxing read that I don't have to think about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know you can use some of it later, so also highlighting it for future possible sermon material and whatnot.
0: So, side point, you highlight in your books.
1: Oh, well, I have that on Kindle, so okay. I do highlight on that. It's easier to access those. I do highlight my hard copies a lot. Um, I don't, after especially college, I have a trained method of highlighting, taking notes. I don't just highlight every word, which is how I started out You know, when mm-hmm. I was in high school. Yeah.
0: I always point that out to people. Read with a pen in your hand so you can take notes. Um, I'm a big advocate of if it's your book, you're going to keep it. Figure out a system of highlighting so you can find stuff. If it's like a super, super strong point for me, I'll highlight it the full width of the marker kind of in bold or maybe block off a section color in the whole section. If it's just kind of good tidbits along the way, I do kind of like the line through it with my my highlighter. Uh, Number five here, what are some tools you've
1: found helpful in conducting Bible studies? One tool that was really unsung at the time I looked at it, um, then put it into implementation. Wow, this is pretty... I have a Bible study on Mondays with some people um, in their 20s. It's probably 10 or so people. And Brother Ron had this little chart he had printed out. It's called Biblical Periods. And it's 1 through, I think it's 14. And basically starts with creation, um, flood, scattering of the people, um, Exodus. And you go on for patriarchs and then Exodus. And just names with either one or two words each biblical period. So I thought, you know what, um, a lot of these young people haven't actually read their Bible. They really need something to get them introduced to how the Bible is laid out and all. So we just started memorizing those, and I even gave them a little incentive at the end of, you know, after seven weeks, to we'll do a big test in the most correct in the least amount of time I'll get, give you a book or something. Okay. So that was very helpful, and I think it gave people some type of uh, regimen that wasn't overwhelming. I know a lot of people, they don't read, and it doesn't take much to overwhelm them. So I like that. Uh, my website is kind of my my outline that I'll use for Bible studies, depending on if they've you know been in the church or and then if it's somebody else, I might do something different.
0: Okay. It's kind of springboarding off that, will go two directions. One is you're talking about a lot of young people not having read their Bible through um, I remember sitting in a group with some young men that dad was talking to, some young men who were aspiring to be teachers in the congregation or even evangelists, and he asked how many had read their Bibles and nobody raised their hand because nobody had read it through all the way. And I felt like when I saw that, when you're talking about a group of, we'll say the cream of the crop, have not yet read their Bible all the way through, the likelihood that your average young person has read it is probably very low Indeed, and what are some some helpful things about just Bible reading? How do you encourage people to get their Bible
1: reading and read the Bible through? Well, I'm still working on that, Uh, brother Ron. He always has to start with Matthew. I've done that before and had little success. I I mean, honestly, I don't think there's really any one method that's going to have a whole lot of success. I think that's what you're dealing with. But one idea, at least, and I'm developing a reading program to implement this is. doing a little section on each biblical period, maybe four or five chapters that hits major chapters and focus in those periods. And at least they can get the story of the Bible once in a short amount of time over a couple months. And Mm -hmm. then if they can do that, sticking with narratives, by the way, not like Mm -hmm. intense poetry and prophecy. And if they can get that down once, hopefully it'll encourage them to maybe back up again a second time and read it chapter by chapter. Well, that's a difficult question.
0: When people ask me about reading plans for going through the Bible... I don't have a good answer for them either. And basically it comes down to uh, you're going to have to show some self-discipline and do it. I don't, I don't know how to say it other than that is You have to work at it. Whether you're talking about reading a book or reading the Bible. Um, the second kind of springboard, you mentioned your website. Tell us about your website.
1: My website is 5minutebiblestudy.com um, That's all one <laughs> URL word. It's Based off an idea that I had at the time, I probably started this a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago now, um, I wanted to kind of give people a resource that I met at work or something. I'll have lots of conversations at work in the hospital, and I don't have time to you know have an entire Bible study with them right then. We might just talk about, uh, well, everybody worships the same God, and I'm like, well, let's talk about that for a minute. you know. Um, so I can just give them my card, and they can look at some... What I have are Bible studies, basically, five minutes each. Mm-hmm. One might be a seven-lesson series. I have one that's 21 lessons on how to study the Bible or understand the Bible. I'm working on one that I had to quit in the middle of the kingdom of God and starting with the broad definition of the term and getting down to the how that relates to the church. Mm-hmm. And just something helpful. Again, five minutes because I just found out people don't read a whole lot. But even I myself, if it's some random article, I might read if it's short. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to gauge that in people's interest.
0: Very good. So if you haven't been there, check out 5 com, and you got all free resources that you can download and utilize on there. Uh, another question, what do you feel are some critical areas of study for young people and kind of associated with it maybe for parents of of young people because i think there are some young people who are interested in studying but the concept of studying the bible when you haven't been taught how or nobody's helped you do that it's kind of a daunting thing to get started on you don't know where to get started so what's a couple suggestions you would throw out there for people who are wanting to but don't know how
1: well i don't want to repeat myself but that's website material on how to understand the Bible on my website that's what I think is you know starting from the very beginnings and getting a little more to the narrow difficult stuff that's material I cover with people um, okay. that's the what I'm doing on my Monday study but with young people in general if I'm just talking with them especially young couples of course I don't have kids I'm not married so that's uh, a little bit um, outside of my area of Understanding, but I was raised by um, very dedicated and um, I don't know what other adjective you'd use to describe our parents. They um, implemented some key methods I think I've picked up on, at least noticed. Man, that was very influential on me. One of them was reading the Bible as a family, um, and if you just have one kid or something, telling Bible stories to them at night. I And I don't know if this is just me. And so, this is a shout out to all the ladies out there. I feel like I meet more spiritually minded women and wives than I do men. Um, I don't know if that's a societal thing or if I'm just meeting the wrong men. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've given books to parents, and more times than not, the wife will read it, and the husband, will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When, when you ask yeah. me, they read it, you know. Yeah. And who's reading the Bible stories? The kids at night? It's the mom. And that's important for moms to do and all that, but the men need to step up, and that's such an influential factor in especially boys, but just children's lives if you look at the statistics of child development.
0: Mm-hmm. I did an interview on a podcast recently hosted by brother Lee Grant, and he was asking me about study tools and issues for young people and things along those lines, too, and um, basically I said, you know, I feel like the study method that most young people, young teachers are taught is... Here's a copy of Vine's Expository Dictionary, and here's a copy of Strong, and I go with God. And I feel like that's a terrible approach. And I feel like especially in the early stages of learning to study the Bible, you need that big picture view of the Bible. And you'll learn areas, the more you study the Bible, the more questions that you're going to have in developing of areas of interest and i was talking about uncle doug recently He held a meeting here in indiana and i said you know i'm reading a book with some guys right now and they feel kind of overwhelmed by it because it's a lot of new information coming at them and he said that's good everybody needs to feel overwhelmed at times by the bible because it motivates you because you see how little of the bible you know and you want to overcome that and you get interested in things that's how you get provoked to study and i think a lot of people have never so to speak been overwhelmed by the bible They've, they've heard a handful of sermons repeated and they haven't been challenged to, to grow past a very very basic concept of the new testament let alone the whole bible and to start broadening your understanding just of the big picture of the bible i think is a critical concept for young people especially and uh, christians in general we do a good job of, of baptizing people but i question sometimes how good of a job we do making disciples of the converts and giving them a foundation and ensuring that they are growing past a basic point. And I think, again, to the point earlier, people get frustrated because they want to grow, they want to study, but they don't really have a concept of how to go about doing it. So I appreciate your website that you're doing and helping provide some study tools for that. And that's one of the purposes of this program is to provoke people to some some thoughts and some tools to further their studies. Uh, last question I have for you here is who is your safety net when you're studying and, and why is it so important to have a safety net
1: Who is an individual do I call yeah and, uh, um, well that's been easy the last seven months but outside yeah. of that um, I normally will call dad up and ask him about a, a difficult question um, there's a couple of brothers at church um, when I went to Broken Arrow that I would talk to you about some things off them. Adam Warren is one uh, good Bible student. And uh, then I'll ask you stuff since I was doing a Bible study with you uh, before my travels. Um, outside of those, and, I, and I'll probably obviously be using Brother Ron and Brother Alan more. I will, I've already called Alan a couple times and mm-hmm. asked him some questions. So uh, It is helpful. You you think first off, this is how I approached calling Brother Alan to study with him. I'm kind of timid about doing it. I'm thinking, these preachers are very busy, you know, they don't have time for a little rat like me to <laughs> chase them around and asking questions. And uh, they're willing to help. You know, don't be obnoxious, but they're willing to help and don't be afraid to introduce yourself and be respectful and ask them, not just ask questions, ask questions, but ask questions and be ready to read up on it. Brother Ron, I think, taught me something without teaching me. I'd ask him a question, and he'd say, Oh, there's a book on that. And by the time I was done, man, I had like a stack of books at the ceiling. And what that does is it gives you the resource and information. At the same time, it keeps people from just asking belligerent questions and one after another. that They really aren't intending on doing any work to find out. They want you to f- hand-feed them. And if you want to know your Bible, you can't be hand-fed forever, especially. Yes.
0: That's the difference between... Paul would put it, infancy and maturity, learning how to feed yourself. And if you want to grow spiritually, you need someone to, to point you in the right direction, but you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. And as the book title says, uh, take up, it's a little muscle on a shovel that goes along the way. A brother, Jimmy Cating, has a really good sermon titled after that concept. and But it's good to have that, I call it a safety net because. As you're studying on your own and you're being provoked into studying thoughts, you're going to have a lot of questions that come up and you'll hear something you'll think, I've never heard this before. I'm not sure if this is right. And in the limited amount of knowledge you have, you have a difficult time making a judgment call. Is this right or wrong? And it's good to have somebody to call that has more knowledge about the Bible than you do, that you can bounce stuff off. And if, if it's a wrong concept, they can... Clarify that they can show you what's wrong and point you in the right direction of how to how to meet this argument, if you will. Because one well, of the dangers is is studying all by yourself without any outside influence, and you can easily be um, you can you can eat something hook, line, and sinker, as they used to say, and take on a dangerous doctrine not knowing it's a dangerous doctrine, and If you get fully convinced on that it's much more difficult to come out of that than it would be to have some warning at the very outset of it
1: i will say just one thing about that um speaking on young men want to be preachers i think in the last podcast and talking about who do you go to um i think a lot of times maybe a factor and i can't say this with certainty you got to have thick skin you know? And especially, <laughs> especially depending on who you're studying with, but yeah. even then, you want to be able to ask the person, "I want you to critique my sermon. And I want you to just lay it out, beat mm-hmm. me up." And uh, brother Allen did that a couple times mm-hmm. at my request, and brother Ron did that. Uh, and you know, you might go away thinking, "Man, I'm a terrible speaker." And it really, what it does is it humbled me a lot. Before I went, um, you know, you have people telling you, "Oh, man, you need to be a preacher," mm-hmm. and more or less, that happens because people might have a good stage presence,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's it. Mm-hmm. Then you go study with somebody that knows the Bible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and hopefully they teach you with grace, you know. But mm-hmm. it will humble you, and you'll realize, man, I'm maybe technically people think I can preach, but I am so glad that I did this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it is a
0: humbling thing when you're in the presence of of what I would call greatness in our brotherhood. We have a lot of very intelligent very studied bible scholars in our midst and it's the best thing to do when you're in the presence of older brethren is to listen uh it's an intimidating thing to be the one doing the talking Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, but if you are going to be the one doing the talking to your point have some thick skin and be open to uh, input and criticism from them when it comes hopefully it'll come in a polite fashion but that may depend on how you delivered the material in the first place so (laughs) uh um yeah i I think that's one of the things we learned kind of by proxy growing up with dad was you got questions ask your questions um if you take the wrong position uh, get ready to have it have your ideas attacked, so to speak and learn from it and grow from it and I appreciate that and think maybe I've, I've taken that for granted a lot. All right, anything else you want to share for us before we're done here?
1: I will just share one resource. Brother Ron, some of his articles that he wrote in the 80s and 70s, um, he, yeah, he's 78, so he's written some old articles. A lot of them are in manuscript form <laughs> and they need uh re-transcribed. Some brethren and sisters at Shattuck Road Church of Christ in Waterford, Michigan there are doing that and they're putting them slowly on teachingbibletruth.org so if you want to read some of his articles which are excellent, especially on the subject of Revelation, there's a lot there, teachingbibletruth.org you can find some of those restored articles I
0: well, think, of brother Ron two topics come to mind that's the topic of Revelation as you just mentioned and gender roles and those are two areas that he has been a tremendous help to the brotherhood through the years there's other areas as well, those are two that stand out and so thanks for sharing that website with us thanks for tuning into the program today if you haven't subscribed to the podcast do so you can find us at podbean stitcher google play and itunes uh, share the podcast with others and be sure to tune in next week for another ep- episode thanks have a great day god bless better is our sacrifice he paid the price. He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with eternal loss He took my sin and washed it away When I was immersed in that watery grave I heard that gospel call because He paid it all